Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, if you uh, are new with us, we are in uh, Lent season, and we're, we're reading a book together called The 40 Days of Decrease. It's also the uh, title of this message series, and you know, it's not often that you read a book and that, that walks you through some scripture and you receive fresh insights, and page after page, I'd, I'd never even heard of this author, and page after page, this is my second time through it. It's just really food for your soul. If those of you are looking for more, you're looking to press a little deeper into God's word, uh, you want to grab this book, you want to walk through it. It's never too late to do it. We're on like day 22, but you just jump in and do it as part of your own uh, connecting deeply with God, morning, evening, whatever. So just a little plug for that. There's somebody in this room right now that said to me in a small group that he has an acronym that he thinks about, W-I-I-T. What do you think that means? W-I-I-T. What if it's true? He said, that's what it stands for. What if it's true? What if Jesus actually died on the cross for the sins of the world. And what if three days later, he rose again? What if it's true? And I guess the follow-up question would be, if it is true, is it making, is he making, is Jesus making, is the Spirit of God making any difference in your life? Are you living differently because you have the Spirit of God in you, because you are following Jesus? You know, we say in this church almost every week, followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. Wow, what a novel idea. What if followers of Jesus actually followed Jesus? What if it's true? Dallas Willard says, what is it in your life that it takes Jesus to explain? What is it in your life that it takes Jesus to explain? So I'm, I'm speaking right now to those of you that would say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. Has there been any shift in your life? An attitude shift, an action shift, a relational shift, a priority shift. That if you took Jesus out of your life, if you weren't following Jesus, your life actually, you, you'd live it differently. But because he's in your life, you're going, I'm a different person. I'm actually a new person. I, my priorities are different. This 40 days of decrease, we're, we're looking this morning at a very familiar passage for those of you that have spent time in church. For those of you that are newer, maybe uh, this might be fresh for you. 
It's uh, John chapter 13, and it's in your program. You were given a program with some notes in it. Uh, we took out, because of time this morning, the middle section, where, uh, and it's an important section, but it's the interaction with Peter and Jesus about he, him needing to be cleansed and wash my whole body, not just my feet, and uh, we'll, we'll save that for another time. But let me read for us uh, this section of Scripture. I think before I read it, I want to just have you think about the context here. It's the upper room discourse. That's what it's called. It's kind of a fancy religious name for. There's really 24 hours before Jesus is going to be crucified. And John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, that section of John's gospel is devoted to Jesus' last thoughts and words. And isn't it interesting here that the first thing that I noticed is not what he said, but it's what he did. It's not what he said, it's what he did. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that this hour had come to leave this world, return to his Father. Let me just stop there. Jesus knew that the hour, the time had come. Timing is everything. The context of this, about what, what he's about to do, is really important when you think about the timing. So what's, what happens? He says he had loved his disciples... Those were his closest friends during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. The devil had already prompted Judas, the Simon, uh, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over what? Everything. And that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table. He took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Then you skip down to verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down. And he asked, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Would you just turn to your neighbor and tell them that? Now that you know these things, God is going to bless you. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to live a happier life, a blessed life? Pay attention to what Jesus is teaching. It says that he washed his disciples' dirty feet. Now, in that first century culture, you know, 
they wore sandals, and there was, it was either dust or it was mud. And uh, in Jewish homes, when you would walk and enter into a home, there was a, a basin of water, and it would be the servant or slave of the home. Their responsibility was to wash the feet, the dirty, muddy feet of, of every guest who entered the home. And so apparently on this night, there was no slave or servant in the house. And of course, Jesus' friends, his disciples, they, they kind of ignored what probably should have been their job since there wasn't a slave or master there. And so what we see here in the text is just absolutely upside down thinking. We read that, that Jesus washed his disciples' dirty feet. He got humble. I want to just make a comment. Humility, we're going to talk about humility this morning. Humility isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. If you wait to feel humble before you act humble and choose humble, you're never going to grow in this area of life. Humility isn't something that you feel. It's something that you choose. It's a choice. It's a decision that you make. And here we are within 24 hours of Jesus dying on the cross. He knew that he was about to be arrested. He knew he was about to be tortured. He knew he was about to be spit on. All of that. And his greatest act of humility comes at the same time as his greatest moment of heartache, stress, pressure, pain, disillusionment. At a time when his friends, when others should have been attending to him, he's attending to them. At a time when I probably would have been going, hey, it's my turn. I've been serving, I've been given, I've been pouring myself out to you guys for three years. You know what? It's my turn. I deserve a little bit better treatment right here, right now. But we don't see that. We don't see that. I love the insight here by Alicia Britt Cole in this book. She says this, at the table, this is the Last Supper, at the table Jesus washed the feet of a betrayer a denier, and ten deserters. Pause to place yourself in this scene, which is a great way to study scripture, by the way. You read a gospel passage, pause to place yourself in this scene. You're at the table. There's a betrayer, a denier, and ten deserters. And then she writes this. Think of someone who has betrayed you. Think of someone who has denied your love. Think of someone or run away in your time of need. Someone who's run away from you in your time of need. And then here's the question. What would it take? What would it mean? What would it take? What would it mean for you to wash their feet. That's challenging. That's like, boom, getting kicked in the teeth right there. Like, wow, you want me to love somebody who's deserted me, who's betrayed me, 
who's turned their back on me, who talked trash about me, who when I reached out in friendship, they betrayed me? No way. But that's the question that this passage begs for us to answer. Whose feet do I need to wash? Here's the lesson. When it's hardest to love, hardest. Think of a relationship that's really hard for you right now to love. When it's hardest for you to love, humble yourself. Choose humility. See, it's interesting to me, the motivation. Why was Jesus able to do this? I can't do this on my own. I need Christ in my life. Apart from him, I can't behave this way. I'm not going to serve and humble myself for somebody who's turning their back on me, denying me, betraying me. How is Jesus able to do this? We aren't often privy to his thoughts, but look at verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he'd come from God and would return to God. See, he's thinking, I know how this ends. I know this won't last forever. I've come from the Father, and I'm going to return to the Father. I'm going back home. Now, just, just stay in that thought for a moment. To me, it's a reflection of his identity. He knows who he is. He knows who, whose he is. He knows where he came from. He knows where he's going. He has an a eternal perspective. It's also not just about identity. That statement in verse 3 is about freedom. When you know who you are, when you really know who you are, not what you do, but you know who you are, you are a child of God. You are a one-of-a-kind, priceless original who's deeply loved by God, and nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing you can do can make him love you more or less. When you figure that out, you know what happens? Freedom happens. I don't have to compete and compare because I'm freed up. Now I can lean into serving. I can lean into and choose humility because I know who I am and I'm freed up and I'm living here rather than trying to get approval here. Are you with me this morning? Am I preaching to myself or, or is anybody out here listening? Right? It's this identity and freedom thing. And like Jesus, you and I get to look at the big picture and choose humility. We get to humble ourselves. I want to say this to you this morning. You know who you are. And you know whose you are. And you know how all of this is going to end. Right? And you know where you're going. And that perspective enables you to do some difficult things. That perspective enables you to do some difficult things like choose humility in difficult circumstances and challenging relationships. Humility is not a feeling, it's a choice. And so here we go. You skip down to verse 15. Because some of you are going, okay, great, cool. Good for him. So what? What does that have to do with me? 
Verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. I have given you an example to follow. Put your name in there where the you is. I have given John an example to follow. I have given Ben an example to follow. I have given Cynthia an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. The one who came from up high, who had a position that was up high, who was called the God Most High, chose to go low. And that's the calling of followers of Jesus. We go low in humility and serving others. So let's get super practical right now. How do I humble myself? If I wait to feel it, it's never going to happen. So how do I choose humility? How can you choose humility? I'm going to give you four reflections that apply to everybody in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. There's, there's one of four things in here that you can grab a hold of today. And I believe if you do it, like Jesus says in verse 17, you'll be blessed. Your life will change. If you make a little shift here this morning, you make a choice, you make a decision, you make a commitment, I'm going to choose one of these four. I might choose two of the four. And for the next 21 days, between now and Easter, Easter's 21 days away, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this out. I just think the promise of God when I read verse 17 is, you will be blessed for doing it. So why wouldn't we? Four things, here they are. Because I'm a baby boomer, I'm almost 60 years old, I decided to use four A words. That's just what boomers do, pastors, preachers. We, we, we do this. So here they are. You ready? The first one is, you want to choose humility? Ask for feedback. Wait, what? From who? Well, how about your wife? Are you kidding me? Not asking my wife for feedback. How about your boss? How about a colleague or a coworker? How about a friend? What if you went to somebody this week and said, hey, I want to get better. Would you give me some honest feedback? I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better boss. So, of course, one of the blessings and curses of being a communicator and uh, a leader in the church is you always got to practice what you preach. So this week, I went to somebody on my staff who's a direct report to me. I'm her boss. I said, hey, give me some feedback. I actually want to be better. I want to be a better boss. I want to be a better teammate. Give me, some, give me some honest feedback, which, of course, you never know. I mean, she might think, gosh, if I give him some honest feedback, maybe he'll uh, tell me I'm not, no longer a fit on the team, right? But, but we had an honest conversation. And in that moment, you know what she said? It's kind of embarrassing to tell you. Some of you are going to go, duh. She said, you suck at listening. She said, you're a terrible listener. You ask a question and then you walk away. And I got humbled by that. But, you know, it takes humility to ask the question. That's the point. It takes humility. Some of you are going, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's called lack of self-awareness. If you want to grow as a follower of Christ, you want to get better in your work as a dad, as a mom, as a spouse, as a friend, why wouldn't we create a culture? That's what we're trying to do here in this church, create a culture of 
candor in a climate of trust. That's what our board, our leadership, that's our motto, culture of candor in a climate of trust. We trust each other, so let me ask for some feedback. And the staff person, I know that she cares about me, so I could ask her. And I could receive that. It stung. It did. It stung. But you know what? I'm going to get better at listening. I am. Listening is the language of love. I mean, you'd think a pastor would be a great listener, but I got some growing to do. I got some growing up to do when it comes to that. Are you willing to ask the question? Ask for feedback. It takes humility to do that. That's a choice that everyone in this room can make today. Yeah, I'm going to ask somebody this week for some honest feedback. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen. And I'm going to receive it as a word from God for how I can get better. Here's the second A, reflection. If you're going to choose humility, number one is ask for feedback. Number two is admit. Admit you have a problem. Well, what's my problem? I don't know. You know what your problem is. You overpromise and you underdeliver. You're a serial liar. You have a drinking problem. And you can't stop when you need to. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Some of you, it's related to your cell phone. I mean, your, your family's going, would you get off that stupid device? And you can't. It's, and it's a problem. Because you're not loving your most important family and friends because you're on your device all the time. Admit you have a problem. The first step in real change is right here. Admitting it. I got a problem. I suck at listening. I'm going to grow in that. I'm going to admit it. Rather than, you know, think about my response. I could have said, what are you talking about? And, and become defensive or blamed or, well, you know, it's because of dot, dot, dot. No, no, no. Admit you have a problem. Maybe it's anger and rage. Maybe you have family members that are afraid of you. That's not healthy. That's a problem. You know, I love 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. You've heard this. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. Grace flows to the humble. But he opposes the proud. I want you to think about, have you ever been on a bicycle and been riding into a stiff headwind? It's no fun. But have you ever had a tailwind at your back? God opposes the proud. If you're sitting here going, don't tell me what to do. Don't coerce me, manipulate me for it. Don't, no, no, you're not in charge of me. Don't use your pastoral privilege to... If you're kind of sitting like this and like this and, uh, you know, and just, that's pride. God opposes the proud. But there's a tailwind for the humble. I got a problem. I want feedback. That's humility. That's choosing it. If you're unwilling to go there, Scripture says that's pride and God opposes that. Why on earth would I ever choose that? Admit you have a problem and let grace flow into and through your life. Here's the third A word. Apologize first. What? Apologize first. Yeah, but she apologized 
For, but you don't apologize first without making excuses, without blaming, without getting defensive. So I had dinner with my daughter and her husband this week. My wife was in London. She just got back last night. So I was holding down the fort. I took Shannon and Garrett out, and, and we were having this conversation. And this fun conversation turned into a frustrating conversation. And those of you that are into the Enneagram um, know that I'm a seven, meaning I like to have fun all the time. But my dark side is an eight, and my eight gets powered up. So I'm fun until it's not fun anymore, and then I can get harsh, I can get powered up, and uh, I can lose perspective. And so this conversation that became frustrating led to my daughter crying. So, of course, you know, the humble response would be to say, what, you big baby, what's wrong with you? You drama queen, what are you, crying? So what, how do I choose humility in that? You know, it's a choice. I am so sorry, honey. I am so sorry I hurt you. And I apologize, and I, I want to ask your forgiveness. I did not mean, I, it's, this is my issue, not yours. I got powered up, I was frustrated, and I kind of lost my cool. Rather than getting defensive, saying, well, you know, you're just immature, that's why you cried, or whatever we do, to discount a person's feelings, apologize first. It takes humility to do that. And a lot of us, we're like, I'm not doing that. I am not apologizing. That's pride. God opposes the proud. Don't live there. Let's jump to the last one, then we're, then we're done. The fourth reflection, the A word, is to act daily. you got 21 days to pray this prayer every day. You wake up in the morning. How about praying this? Lord, whose feet should I wash today? Who do you want me to serve today? Who are you going to bring across my path today? Is it is it the, the people that I live with? I mean, think about it. In this context of John 13, these are Jesus' closest friends. These are people he cared about. So the direct application is the people you live with and work with are the ones we should be the best at serving. And we choose humility through serving them. But I want you to notice that Jesus in this story didn't wait for an invitation. He took the initiative. Notice that Jesus did not announce what he was going to do. Hey, everybody, I'm going down to the rescue mission to serve. Hey, everybody, look at me. I dot, dot, dot. No, no, no. He just did it. He didn't announce it. He didn't wait for a thank you either. And you know what? He didn't get one. There was no thank you note in the mail for washing those guys' feet. That takes humility, and it's a choice. Verse 17, throw it up there on the screen. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Which one are you going to choose to do today for the next 21 days?
ask for feedback, admit you have a problem, apologize first, or act daily to wash somebody's feet, to serve others in your place. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I'm going to have the band come up. This is a, a familiar passage to some, but it's a call to the people of God. Can you see it there on the screen? If my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves. That's a choice. It's not about being right. It's about choosing the way of Jesus. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Read Philippians 2. Later today, he was in the very nature God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he took the nature of a servant and he humbled himself, it says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from there. And now that word for some of us, like it's a push, wicked ways. I'm not wicked. So maybe put the word willful and go back to that, go back to that slide. Seek my face and turn from their willful ways. Willful means don't tell me what to do. I'm in charge. Turn from that spirit. Choose humility. And then, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and heal their land, heal their family. Heal their church. So I'm done, but you're just getting started. You got some work to do. We're going to sing a song, but I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm I'm not sure how you're going to respond, but I'm going to invite you to respond. Some of you, you need to get out of your chair and you need to come and kneel. I'm going I'm I'm to come down here and kneel because I'm going to choose one of those four. But, but kneeling for me is an act of humility. Isn't this the posture of humility, kneeling? So during this song, I'm going to kneel right here somewhere. And I know there's a lot of you that need to come and kneel with me too as an act of dependence, of humility, of saying, God, I'm, I'm choosing humility and I, I'm going to ask for feedback or I'm going to admit I have a problem, whatever it is, and cry out in dependence on him. But I'm going to invite you to come down here and kneel with me. And for some of you, you're like this. I'm not doing that. What do we call that? I'm not doing that. That's pride. That's between you and God. But I'm just telling you, I'm getting down here to kneel. That's what I'm doing. So we're going to sing. Let's all stand up together. You might want to put your hand on your heart as an act of devotion. But some of you need to come down here and kneel as an act of humility to say, God, I'm all in. I want to become the person you want me to become. So come and join me down front. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.